Women today. Hello, Pastor Mai. Welcome to today's edition of Conister Rocks, the show where we ask our guests to share with us some memories and music. And you can listen back to former programmes on the Manx Radio website. You just follow the link to the podcast section. And we've been joined on the rock before by very well-known people here on the Isle of Man and further afield as well. And if you've got a suggestion from a guest, we would love to hear it. Just drop us an email at womentoday at manxradio.com. Now, today's guest, well, I think it's fair to say that local politics runs in her blood. Both her parents have held high-profile positions in Douglas Borough Council. She followed them into the commissioners in 2012 and was appointed mayor in 2017 and in the next week will be hanging up her chains after a year in office. Uh, outside of those formal duties, she has a challenging yet hugely rewarding job as part of the team at Rebecca House, the Isle of Man's children's hospice. Uh, so, Debbie Pitts, it is a pleasure to welcome you to Manx Radio's very own Conister Rock. Um, I wonder, do you need some solitude after this past year, do you think? Um, I don't know that I'm going to enjoy the solitude, to be honest, Beth. Um, I do enjoy people's company and I have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this year meeting and greeting lots of different people from all walks of life. Well, we'll be talking more about that uh, a little bit later throughout the show. But I just wonder, in the process of, of picking music, I know you say music is, is very important to you. How did you find whittling it down to just five? Oh, it was so, so difficult. I think my taste is very eclectic. Um, and that goes from working in Woolworths and being on the record counter and being introduced to so much different music. Um, that you'll see when we go through my choices how widespread they are. But I don't think that's a bad thing. Well, we look forward to hearing them over the course of the next hour. But before we hear your first track, um, just tell us a little bit about your early family life. Um, You were born to Stephen and Dot Pitts, the eldest of four children. I was um, the eldest of four, yes. Um, My parents were young parents. and We lived in a small flat in Domain Road and... My first early memory, I suppose, was of going on a family holiday. We went to Pathwelly Butlins and with other members of my family. Um, but as a young child, obviously, you know, my parents first born and they put me into a lovely competition. Um, I think it was a beauty contest and I came second, which was fantastic. And I had a lovely picture of me taken in my party dress with my number second board. And then when we got home, much to my delight, we moved home. So we moved from our very small top floor flat into Main Road to our now family home in Princess Street. And I don't know why, but I believe that I won that in that contest, much to my dad's dismay, because we've had conversations about it since. And he's like, why on earth would you think that you'd won that a second prize? And I said, I don't know, but it just... It just didn't ring true that we'd been on this lovely holiday and I the only thing that I could think of was I must have won it in the competition, but I would like to know what the first prize got if that was our house was second prize. <laughs> I love the idea that a lot of your childhood was spent thinking that. That's brilliant. Yeah. That um, maybe accounts for the fact that you say you are a glass half full kind yes, of person. I certainly am. I, 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 well, yeah, because for second prize, we won a five-bedroom townhouse in Douglas, you know, and how fantastic would that be? Um, so we've talked about the fact that you are, you are the eldest of four, and I wonder how your position within the family um, impacted on you, and I'm thinking mainly in terms of responsibility. Okay, I would say that obviously my role then was 
and I was a lot older. My youngest of the four, there's 13 years between us, um, which was a big shock to me, obviously still being at school, well, being at high school and having parents that were still having children was a bit embarrassing at the time um, because all of my peers were the youngest in the family. And bearing in mind my family, you know, my mum and dad were 17 when they had me, so they were very, very young still. But I didn't take that into account when my brother was born and I had to tell people, you know, well, I've had a baby brother and the looks I got in school was unbelievable. You, Your parents have had another baby. Your parents have had another baby. They just couldn't believe it um, and the embarrassment that went with that. The, the bit, the nice bit for me was that I, my whole family lifehood is being about sharing, caring, being with each other, spending time with each other. You know, we didn't have lots of money. We would go out on walks because the cars weren't available then. You know, my nana didn't drive and she would take us out at the weekend or we'd go on family trips. Always everybody piled into a car and we'd go to Peel where my dad's family's from. And and that was, that was family life, you know, and that just continued really even when I had younger brothers and sisters. You didn't like having to take responsibility for the electric blankets though, did you? No, I did not. I think obviously being the eldest it was your turn and it was I always think whose turn was it it was always seemed to be my turn to go and put the electric blankets on at night time um, and I think most people in my generation will remember that you know you put your electric blanket on then you turned it off in the evening uh, when you actually got into bed but I always seemed to be my turn and I think probably being the eldest and then obviously the the meters at the time you know, we had a meter downstairs for electricity and one behind the door for the gas or whichever way around it was. But, you know, you would have to go down and be like, go and put the, the coins in the meter and you would go down. And now I think back on it and I think it was wonderful, but it wasn't at the time when it was your turn to do it. And it just always seemed to be mine, unfortunately. <laughs> I love the image uh, you paint of your plotting on Christmas Eve. Oh, yes. It was a big big time for us it was my mum's birthday on Christmas Eve so my mum and dad always used to go out for the evening um, obviously everything would be ready and a friend of ours and her daughter used to come and Sue and Jolene would come as well and so that evening would be the preparations as any kids but we would have signs that we would make with our names on because obviously Father Christmas couldn't bring the big presents upstairs we'd all have a chair downstairs um, and then you would have your pillowcase that went at the end of the bed and those sort of memories, you know, of making lists and what time we were going to wake up for our snacks and what time, you know, would we dare to go downstairs because Sue used to sleep downstairs. Would we dare to go downstairs and get more snacks, you know, um, with the fear of maybe waking Sue up and also, you know, that visitor might be disturbed, you know, the, the, the trepidation of waiting for him. But yeah, the whole evening was military precision you know of who was going to get up what time and I think the majority of times by about nine o'clock half past nine we were asleep. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound Evie like a pretty idyllic childhood in many ways and you talk about um, playing outside you know mm -hmm. th those days where you could just play out in mm -hmm. the streets freely. I look now and I still live in the area where I've grown up I'm only two streets away from my dad and I, I do look sometimes at the children and I think how sad it is that they don't have the same as we, the opportunities that we had. You know, nothing was provided for you. Games were games that you made up 
I mean, Rounders was a favourite of ours and we played out the back of Princess Street. And lots of times now when I look down those lanes, you wouldn't be able to because there's cars parked there and there's rubbish out and, you know, but we used to make our own fun. I mean, the Rounders, I, I did have a bit of an accident one night with the Rounders. I just seemed to be one of them children, I think. I slipped because then you didn't have trainers and I was in my little flat ballet pumps that I thought were the bee's knees but I slid along the gravel and fell into the grid and just narrowly very very narrowly missed breaking my leg but all I was worried about while I had one leg in the grid and one leg out was I was going to lose my shoe um, but I didn't and I was rescued and taken to hospital but you know now that would be major for children because you know the danger of being out in a back lane playing rounders and, and we just did it every night every night we'd all be out together and that community I don't know if they have that now because obviously it's not as safe I'll tell you what else they don't have now is a slot machine in their front room yes wow what a time we <laughs> we had um a chance well we were going away on holiday and it wasn't something that we did very often and we were going to Malta the following day and that di- that night my dad was helping my godfather Stan move um, some equipment and when he came home, he came home with a slot machine which to the kids in the street was just amazing. You know, I'd bring everybody in and we'd have a little slot place at the back where all the 10 pences were and we put them all in but if you won them we took them and of course so my dad was losing money rapidly because <laughs> it was only ever if the machine kept it that he kept it but every time it was won it was all taken and then we'd go back for replenishment but we also had a Chinese that night and that sort of thing you know now is taken for granted I think that you go out and get a takeaway some people are doing it two and three times in a week and this was a special occasion and then we went on holiday the next day and I just I just remember thinking we must be rich we must have made it now, you know, if <laughs> we're going on holiday, we've got a slot machine and we're having a takeaway all in the one week. It was just, yeah, it was amazing. And the kids in the street loved it. <laughs> well, Debbie Pitts, tell us about the first piece of music you've chosen. So my first track is something that my Auntie Irene will love to know that I've chosen. Um, it reminds me of being young and going to the under-18s disco at the cave. And her and her friend Glenda used to barrage my mum I think and sort of say Debbie really wants to go she really wants to go and my mum would give them money you know to take me along Um, however when we got there I was put in the DJ booth with Paul Moulton and all the coats and left there but Paul always asked me Debbie what would you like me to play and this track is from my days of being in the under 18s disco and I think when you look at the lyrics It is very true now, very true.
Buggles, Video Killed the Radio Star and memories there for our Conister Rock guest Debbie Pitts of being in the DJ booth at the Under 18's Cave Disco. Um, did you really have to go and, you know, ask the people that your family members wanted to dance with if yes, they would as I well? Yes, I did, yes. Let the cute little three or four year old go over and ask them, you know, but it did have its have its benefits because I just absolutely loved that song and Paul was always very, very kind and played it for me. The Nation Station, Manx Radio. Women Today. And we're on the Conister Rock this afternoon with Mayor of Douglas, Debbie Pitts. Um, I'm still loving the story about you going to Butlins and thinking that that competition you won resulted in you winning a family house. But um, uh, we've talked a little bit about your, your home life. Um, what were you like at school? Um, I had a, a good group of friends, um, which I, I still keep in touch with some. But I think... My school life, I wasn't very academic. I just sailed along, really. But I did love it. I did love it. And I went to Balaclone School, which I walk past now fondly and think, oh, it's not there anymore. And Fairfield, which I absolutely loved. One of my memories of Fairfield was, and I think it might have been um, Prince Charles's wedding, um, I went dressed as a pea in a pod, um, which was quite difficult to get to school once it had been done. And toilet issues were quite difficult, but I did win. Oh! But I didn't win a house. No, no. Unfortunately, I just got a mug, but I did win, and I looked spectacular as a pee in a pod. I bet you did. <laughs> I love the fact you talk about toilet issues, and I'm thinking. I hope there wasn't any pee in the pod. But anyway, no, well, we'll move on from that. <laughs> um, we're going to talk uh, about your, your next two tracks in a moment because they're both associated with um, jobs that you had. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned Woolworths. And, you know, what an icon- iconic store, wasn't it? Really, um, it was pivotal for many people's childhoods, mm-hmm. I guess. It's surprising when you talk to people. I mean, yesterday we were at an ex-serviceman's um, evening and, you know, lots of the ladies there all worked in Woolworths, you know, when their husbands were out at war. And, you know, and I just think it obviously on the island, it was quite, quite a big company, you know, to take on board people. But now when I think about my, my work ethic, a lot of it has come from Woolworths. They installed a lot of my, my thoughts and rationale about how to treat people and, you know, be be respectful to people when they're shopping because ultimately that's where your money's coming in you know don't talk and don't chew and you know make sure you take them to play to the place if they've asked for something because people will walk out if they still can't find it all those things were worse installed into me well tell us uh, about the track that you've chosen it's everything but the girl that you chose for Woolworths it is um obviously being on the record counter I I learnt lots and lots about lots of different music um and this song was um one of us uh, the two ladies that worked on there had enlightened me to everything but the girl um and I'm a big fan and still am um and it was very difficult to narrow down a track for this um and my <laughs> my tastes then go from Morrissey to the cure to the smiths and um, pet shop boys talk talk you know so it, my range of music is vast absolutely vast and that all comes back from my job at Woolworths you're only to the whole wide world 
Everything But The Girl These Early Days. Debbie Pitts singing along there. Those yes, words still imprinted. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you say well, you weren't particularly academic at school. So when did you decide what it was you wanted to do for your career? I, I think probably from my family life, children had always taken a big, big part of my life. And I wanted to be a nanny. That's That was my ultimate aim. You know, the thought of living with somebody and being able to help them with their children and all the bonuses, the things that come with it that when you're younger you don't actually understand but you know having a car and 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 having somewhere to live being included in your job I just was mesmerised by it all um, and I got on to the childcare course at the Isle of Man College as it was then um, and my attitude changed slightly when I was introduced to different areas of childcare, and and it just took flight from there really. Um, and I, I still love children, still working with them now, twenty six, twenty six ish years later, um, in a completely different aspect. But I think my brothers and sisters were the ones that made me fall into that really. And I mean, I said at the beginning that you describe it as a challenging but hugely rewarding career because really you get to see both sides of life in Mm -hmm. some ways. Yeah. You know, we as a group in Rebecca House work wonderfully together and I have to say a huge thank you to the ladies that I work with, especially this year. They've allowed me to do a lot of things um, that I wouldn't have been able to do if I hadn't had such a supportive group. But we are in people's lives to make life for living. And I think maybe, again, my half-glass-full attitude is probably quite good in that respect. I worked at Nobles Hospital on the children's ward for 16 years, absolutely loved it. But when children did die, you know, life does go on, and it goes on very, very quickly, and you would have to adapt to that really, really quick. And I always felt that there was just something a little bit missing that, you know, I, I would avoid people and think, oh, I can't talk to them. And I don't know, you know, and the Isle of Man is small, unfortunately, and you would meet people and and it would be upsetting for them and upsetting. And then when I when I eventually moved to Rebecca House, you know, hospice is very good at giving you enough training and the backup, you know, the counselling for yourself as well that, you know, when you're in that situation and and thankfully I never have but I I want to make it the best I can for these families I want you know maybe a little word or a touch on their arm or doing something for their child that has has died you know might just make things a little bit easier in a really stressful time and that's what I think Rebecca House is is about but it is about lots of laughter and fun and we do get up to a lots of mischief as well. I think I'd love to know more about that but I'm not <laughs> sure you'd share much of it with us Debbie Pitts. Um, tell us about your next piece of music because I said that your um, two tracks now were all associated with past jobs mm. that you've had and you have had uh, quite a varied I mean I'll call it career because I know a lot of these were, were during your school time but mm. tell us about this one. So this was a stint that I did at the Alaman Creameries and also another family family background. My One of my aunties um, was one of the managers there and was in charge of producing cheese and she now produces cheese in California um, and my other auntie who um, 
used to take me to the under-18s disco and worked there as well. My sister also did a stint in the summer holidays. Um, so it was sort of a family tradition that you would go there, you know, for extra Saturday work. And that the summer in particular um, I had there, it was very warm. I just remember having lots of fun. There was lots of antics that we got up to that perhaps I shouldn't share with you today, Beth. But, you know, I've made some really, really good friends there. And this track came from being out in the packing room with the ladies and we used to have a tape recorder and we put this tape on and I thought, what on earth have they brought in? Um, And I listened to this album and lots of people will know the album, but they won't actually know who it is. And this track just brings me back to that summer. Wonderful life, black and memories for Debbie Pitts of working in Isle of Man Creameries. Are you a cheese fan generally? Yes, love cheese. <laughs> love it. <laughs> We're talking uh, on the Conister Rock this afternoon. It is 26 minutes to three. The Nation Station, Match Radio. Women today. And this afternoon we're on the Conister Rock with Douglas Mayor Debbie Pitts. And Debbie, we've been talking and throughout everything you've been saying, it's so evident that family has always and is always hugely, hugely important to you. And that's something you realised even more when you were diagnosed with a serious illness at just 35. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it shook my world because our family had just sailed along. You know, we were just an average family and the age of 35 to hear the words you have cancer um was shocking i just I, I couldn't believe it and literally within a few months of myself being diagnosed so was my mum um and it just it takes a lot out of a family it really really does and you know to be ill is expensive 
I was very fortunate to have both my parents behind me and helped me all the way through and, and family and friends. Um, but I'd never, we'd never encountered it. And then from that time, from like 2008, it's just been a part of our family. But again, I still am that person that's a glass half full. You know, you're given these things. My nana always used to say that, you know, God doesn't give you anything that you can't cope with. And sometimes that might be really difficult to think about when you're in the depths of it. But I do believe that everything that I've been giving or my family's been given, it's happened and we've dealt with it because that's just, you have to get on with it. Life goes on. And your mum was truly a force to be reckoned with because despite going through, was it her third round of cancer treatment? She took on the role of mayor and she really gave it her all. She did. When, you know, I've had days, Beth, where I've been tired and I thought, you know, I have made it really busy this year and I don't want anyone to feel sorry for me. But when I have felt tired and I've looked at my watch and thought, here we go again. I've thought about my mum and the treatment that she was going through and how tired she must have been. Remembrance Day always sticks in my head that she was actually in hospital, not well, and we went and broke her out so that she could come down and lay her wreath um, at the cenotaph. And it was very important for her to do that. And that's one of the things that made me so proud this year. One, I was wearing her hat because she was a great lover of hats. And I laid the wreath just as she did. Um, Very, very proud moment. And I'm sure that, you know, she's been behind me, giving me a, a push in the right direction at times during the year when I have been tired and busy and thinking, can I do it? You know, I have felt that. And this behind me. This next piece of music, um, very fitting then, because Mm -hmm. this is for your mum.
Spirit in the Sky, Debbie Pitts playing that for her mum, Dot. And uh, Debbie, you also say that your sister is a huge inspiration to you as well. She is. Um, Nicola's always been very supportive and she's the organised one in the family, although my work colleagues will say that I'm organised well. She beats me, hands down. Um, and then, obviously, helping my mum through her cancer journey and mine, then at the age of 36, she was also diagnosed with cancer. Again, did she let it stop her? No, she didn't. Um, we were in the middle of organising our third year of Relay for Life, Isle of Man, um, which Nicola has taken to great heights, and she absolutely loves it. Um, and, you know, even though she was going through treatment and had lost her hair, and just for me, everything that I thought about she was going through and yet she stood up on that stage that day and gave a speech to all those people and she's just really really a, a motivational person anyway but a big inspiration to me a really big inspiration well debbie pitts we are talking in your final week as uh, mayor and we know that local politics has been in your family since mm. you were a child um both your your mum and dad have held um high office in Douglas Council. What was it in 2012 that made you think, right, I'm going to do it? I, I talked about it at the last general election and we were listening to the results with David Cretney and his daughter and my dad and myself. And I said to Sarah, I, I really want to do it. And she said, mm, yeah, I would like to as well. And then when 2012 came up, I thought, you know, I should have done that. And I, my dad rung me and he said, are you still are you serious about doing this and I said yes and he said because I think there may be you know you you want to go for it in your area and within two days I had my nomination papers in and I I've never looked back really it was it was difficult at the start because I think people automatically assume that I was going to always aside with my dad um you know our morals and our life obviously he's brought me up and you know the person that I am you know my mum and dad have made me however I am my own person and I've got different life experiences to him so we don't always agree on things um but yeah elections and and that has always been in my blood so when that opportunity came I had to grab it and I'm so glad that I have you were very clear when you were voted in as mayor last year that you were going to be mayor and not mayoress Yes. Why is I, that? Because the role of mayor is mayor regardless of your gender. And the mayoress is the person that then supports you. If it was a gentleman, as my dad did for my mum, and he was the very first one to do it, he would be your consort. And I think people just automatically assume that you're the little lady and, and you will be the mayoress. And the mayoress, my mayoress, does does giggle at times because she'll say, "Oh, don't call her mayoress," and it's not that. I just think, you know, I'm holding these chains of office. It's not about me. It's about this role, and I'm just hugely proud and, you know, love 
love the fact that I've been given the opportunity and I don't want people to get it wrong. Well, they don't get it wrong a second time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You took part in an event uh, for International Women's Day that was held at the Henry Bloom Noble Library. And I wonder why you felt moved to do that. And and you did something quite remarkable, really. You, You prepared a speech for it. But after hearing some of the other contributors, you, you threw that in the bin. Well, when I got there, I'd been at a function earlier on. When I got there, the girls were all getting themselves into order and there were six of us. And it was really Jan McCartney from the library. She's very good to, to get all the councillors involved and things. And she'd asked, would I do it? And of course, you know, why not? And especially in my year and thinking about ladies in politics as well. You know, in the council, we're very lucky. We've got 18 councillors and we're nine women, nine men. So it's a really even split Um, as I said on the night it's not about women should have the right to be in there but women have a different attitude and if you're right for the job it doesn't matter about your gender it's whether you're right for the job and sometimes women are and why not so when I did that speech I I had wrote it on what I thought I was going to say and when the girls had all put themselves into order I found myself at the end so I was the sixth person and as I was listening to them I was thinking oh no that's my speech was good but it wasn't the flavor of the evening and so when I got up on my feet I thought I'm gonna have to say something here because I can't read off my sheets and I just said I hope you don't mind I'm gonna ditch the wording that I've got and I'm just going to chat and I did and it went the 15 minutes just zoomed by and the next thing it was time for me to sit down. So I I thoroughly enjoyed it, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, leaving uh, your year as mayor with that ability to to ad lib is certainly something which will uh, move you on to other things, I guess. Um, Have you got any plans once you hand over your chains next week? No, have you got a job going back? Well, I'm sure I could easily find you one. No, we're having a rest. We're having a rest. (laughs) Uh, I need to tell you that Stu has texted to say, hats off to Mayor Pitts. Every one of her choices of music has brought back so many great memories of growing up and getting my first job working weekends at a garden centre. So your music choices have gone down well. Um, Just very briefly, charity work always been something that's incredibly important to Mm. you. Um, And you handed over money yesterday We did. Um, It was the charity presentation yesterday and obviously we'd chosen two charities, Rebecca House and Dot Stream Foundation. And the mayoress and I had had put a goal in mind really of what we would like to achieve. And we achieved that and more. So we have met lots of different people over the year, um, which has been fantastic. But some people out there that are struggling a little bit more. Um, So what we did was we gave the bulk of our money to the two main charities and the rest we've we've divided up into smaller groups and been able to help them out. And I'm very pleased and proud of the committee and everybody that's helped to say that we raised £23,706. It was just absolutely immense. Last night was very emotional when we were given the cheques over. I think because I'm just so proud of what everybody else has has come together and helped me with this year because it isn't just about me it's about everybody getting together and that is the being the flavor of our year is is to be an inclusive year you know children coming in businesses coming in charities coming in volunteers coming in it's about spreading the word and being out there and you are heading very shortly in the next hour to one of your final official functions it is and it's something that i've been championing for along with my dad on the Regeneration and Community um, Committee for our water splash park. Um, And I have been looking out 
and I think the sun might be trying to come out you know you never know um yes I can't wait for that I I went up and and got on the truck and dug out the first footings and it'll be amazing to see it actually come to fruition it'll be fantastic Um, I'm guessing this text will mean something to you lovely to hear her majesty on the wireless great tunes from your fave auctioneer does that make oh, sense? Hey, there you go. Thanks, Boosh. Um, Debbie Pitts, it has been a real pleasure uh, to be joined with you on the Conister Rock this afternoon. Uh, this programme will be available shortly to download as a podcast from the Manx Radio website. So all you need to do is go to manxradio.com, click the on air button and then podcasts. And in our archive, there are music and memories shared by a host of familiar names, including sports stars, former chief ministers and musicians. And as I say, if there is somebody you would like to hear, please do send your suggestions to women today at manxradio.com but uh, you're looking forward to a rest as you say when you hand over your chains uh, next week Debbie Pitts we are going to play out with your fifth and final track what is it and why have you chosen it it is proud by Heather Small and I know that she was singing it on stage here in the island last week and um, it just makes me think of my life my family being the mayor relay for life being a survivor the word that's the words to me um resilient as always and you should always think whatever you do whether it be big or small it should be a proud moment debbie pitts thank you so much for joining us this afternoon thank you